0: This interview is brought to you by NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Check out region-blocked shows, get pay-per-views at a bit of a better price, avoid price discrimination, all that good stuff with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. You can also use the code Fightful, browse more securely. It's a good time. A lot of times I'm traveling and I realize, oh, I need to watch SmackDown. Unless I'm watching it live on a hotel TV It's going to tell me that I'm out of my home area on YouTube TV. But fortunately, NordVPN.com slash Fightful has rectified that problem. Get 70% off plus an additional month free. And it's all backed with their 30-day money-back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Use that code Fightful. Hit them up on Twitter at NordVPN. Let them know you heard about them from us. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross dot Fightful.com, here with a name you know. You know him as Scotty Tuhati. You're going to get to know him more as Scott Garland. Man, you've got a lot going on, my friend. How you doing? A little
2: bit. I'm great, dude. Thanks for having me on, man. It was exciting.
0: It is exciting. Uh, as we film this, uh, full disclosure, we're filming this ahead of a match that you've got with Joey Janella, but my God, you've had such a, a wild past couple of months to, to even get here.
2: Yeah, it's been crazy, dude. Like uh, if you told me this is where I would be even a year ago or six months ago, I'd be like, this this is, uh, it's insane. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a, um, it wasn't an easy decision, right? To leave the largest wrestling company in the history of the world, right? And a guaranteed paycheck every week. But um, the, everything since I did it has been 100% positive and the reaction and um, the feedback, everything has been like, made me feel like I've done the right thing. So, uh, did. I'm so excited for, you know, 2022 and the opportunity to get back out there and have some fun again.
0: And uh, this will be your first match back, correct?
2: It is my first match. It wasn't, my first match wasn't supposed to be until the 21st and the 22nd in the Carolinas for a uh, big time. And, and then uh, I was just supposed to, originally I was just going to do an appearance at gcw and i said wow we think it'd be better we'd get more out of it if we get a match so i was training to come you know for the 21st and 22nd and then all of a sudden i think it was like last week or maybe 10 uh, or seven or 10 days before the match uh it 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 changed so i had to like fast track my training and try to get my cardio up and try to get in a ring to get a little bit of timing back so it's been a whirlwind of a couple weeks
0: also, I mean, you mentioned being in the top wrestling company. GCW is the top independent promotion. So it's like if they want to put you in a featured spot to wrestle, like how do you pass on that given given what it's, you just came from?
2: Especially with a guy like Joey Janela, right? Like who gets it, who's entertaining, who's uh, he's brilliant with what he does and marketing himself. And, I mean, he's here's a guy. Like, he's a guy that I can go like him, guys like him, Matt Cardona, are played into – why i left like i'm seeing these guys the whole landscape of independent wrestling has changed in the last five five to six years since i've been out of it uh they're self-promoting themselves and they're using you know social media and all these different avenues to be their own promoter and i'm like dude i, I could that looks like a blast to me you know so um I, I think joey is like the perfect um opponent and uh perf- and gcw's a perfect first company back and like you said like how do you pass up um having that be on january 1st of 22 you know like how it all it's just like a perfect storm
0: so when you uh approached wwe and said i'm uh, finishing up like was it an immediate thing was it a, a giving them notice thing how does that work out and and how do they respond
2: no it was um it was an immediate thing. It, well, it was it was building over maybe the last six months. It all started during the pandemic, you know, and everything started to change. And then it's more more so, over the last six months, um, I started to have different thoughts come into my mind. I saw people outside of WWE, independent wise, AEW wise, um, international wise, out there having fun, and uh, I just wasn't having fun anymore. And uh, I had great thirty you know thirty years uh working for them and i'm so thankful for everything they did for me and they gave me a platform and i mean you and i probably wouldn't even be talking if it wasn't for my time then, right so and that's what i say like i have to be thankful for that but i just wasn't having fun there anymore i would drive, be driving to work at the performance center uh every day and i just almost my knots and my stomach in knots and you know i blame it a lot a lot of it on the pandemic sure. and you know that because that started uh, which which seems like it started the releases, you know, and all of these people that I had coached and been friends with, and you know, some of them became like my kids and all of a sudden they're getting released and I'm finding out about it on Twitter. You know, like I'm their coach, I'm encouraged to so, build yeah, a release. You
0: like I I would get the heads up. I was the person who reported a lot of these releases. Yeah. And I would dude, I was get, finding out from you. I would yeah, I would get the the thing and then I would message some of my friends that worked at the performance center. Now, granted, I I didn't know you before this. And they, they would send me question marks back. That can't feel good.
2: No, especially, I mean, I would literally be sitting in class with somebody and then three hours later, you know, and I'm like, there was one person in particular, I'm having a heart to heart talk with, and I've earned that person's trust over the last couple of years. And I'm giving them the best advice I can. And then three hours later, my buddy from Nashville, T- texts me and he says hey uh, looks like releases are happening again so i jump on twitter and i see this person was just released like i always said like i don't want to know i don't ever want to know that one of my talent was was getting released before they know but i felt like i uh, the coaches uh uh um deserve the respect of being told as soon as the talent knows i shouldn't be finding out on twitter you know and that was really my biggest beef if anything like Come on, man! Like, give me, give me a little bit of respect. Give me a heads up before I'm finding out on Twitter. And it kind of goes back to the same thing as, you know, a guy like Otis and Tucker, who I had worked with. And you know, dude, when Otis came to me and asked me if he could do the worm, and I told him to hold off, go out there, get over first, and then add the worm in. And that's what he did. You know, heavy machinery went out there. They had maybe six months. They started to get over, and I, and I pulled him aside when day said, "Hey." go ahead add the worm in now so he started doing the worm so I had to and I had this relationship with him and I love the dude I find out that they're going to raw watching the show with everybody else I'm like dude like come on man like so that's my just this is a bit of a lack of communication there and and I understand it's a big machine it's running 100 miles an hour and they're probably not worried about my feelings you know it's just an oversight. I don't believe it's a deliberate thing. It's just an oversight, you know?
0: There were a couple of, of situations over the last year that really stood out to me like that. Like a, a guy, now Steve Macklin. He was Steve Cutler. He spent all those years in the Performance Center. He was well-liked. He worked hard. Unfortunately, some things out of his control got him taken off TV. And then yeah. I had heard when when I reached out to him, he was he actually volunteered to come into the big man class, bump around for them, and he found out he was fired as he left doing that, like then yeah. Roderick Strong re-signs with WWE under the impression he's going to be working with his wife in Diamond Mine. Instead, she's fired like and right. they, yeah. they don't know what to expect. It, like how, how did you feel when situations like that happened? Because this clearly was a far cry from a couple years ago where nobody was getting fired.
2: Right. Nobody. And, you know, maybe it was this necess- I mean, if, if you go, like I heard recently, like what, 181 people since the pandemic started, yeah. that's a lot of people that weren't being used maybe. So I do, I understand it to it from a business perspective. Um, if you have a lot of, you know, people that you're not doing with uh, anything with, you do have to just kind of let go. And that's part of what we do. But um, at the same time uh, just, Give us a heads up, you know, just a little bit of, bit of a heads up. And uh got a guy like Macklin, dude, like both him and Wesley Blake, two of the best, like like two of the best that are. We used to we used to open the NXT a lot of the NXT Road shows with Street Profits versus uh,
0: Forgotten uh, Sons Blake, Blake, Blake and, and Cutler yeah.
2: Forgotten Sons like it was a perfect opening match and they understood how to go out there and work an opening match and and those are guys that you could really use right now in my opinion when you have so many green people that you're throwing out there and you when, once you start putting green versus green it gets a little bit scary and dangerous especially when it's on live television
0: As you see that roster grow especially in NXT in the Performance Center did you have any idea that stuff like this would happen because it was very clear, like they were in a talent hoarding mode because they were being competitive with ROH and New Japan, then AEW. I would hear stories like Kashida had been there months, didn't even have his locker yet, like, and, yeah. and that was shocking to some people. Could did you did you see like a bubble that was going to burst, or did you think, well, they're just holding on to talent because they're they're competing?
2: It just felt like they're. I didn't. Even, I don't even know if it felt like they were competing. It just felt like there there wasn't a lot of didn't feel like there was a lot of dead weight it felt like there was some and there, yeah. there had to be a shake-up because a lot of people were maybe taking it for granted and not putting in the work that they needed to put in and they got a little bit too comfortable um but um who knew it would come to this right it was just kind of like so many like i mean like if you if, if that if that number is right 181 or what it's somewhere how many there, yeah that's like dude you could start three companies with that you know yeah. what i mean like like but it's such a great time in wrestling right now all those people if they genuinely love this will land on their feet and it it should be motivation as it was to me like yeah it was my choice to leave but i was like man it looks like fun out there like i want to i want to go out there and be a part of that but in order to do that i'm gonna have to take a take a gamble and ask for my release and go on my own that was one of my biggest regrets of uh uh, my career was I, I, I re-signed in 2007 as when I was still wrestling there. I mean, I'm sorry, 2006. And then I was a three-year contract a year in. I had a back injury ended up getting released in 2007. I always regretted signing that contract and not walking away in 2006. When I was just, I was kind of done. I wasn't having yeah. fun at that point. And so I said, I'm never going to let that happen again. And I was kind of at the same point as a coach and, there are other options out there, you know, I'm not just talking about AEW. Like, yeah, they look like they're having a blast over there, but like I said, like Cardona and and, and Joey Janela and and all these different independent talent and, and companies out there having fun.
0: Two Cold Scorpio just got announced for an ROH world title match against Jonathan Gresham. And like, I'm so stoked for that. I walked into a black label pro show, not knowing who was on the card, Two cold Scorpios wrestling Kurt Stallion, and I'm like, I didn't even know that I needed this match. And how cool is that, right? Like that's that's independent wrestling today, and I think right. it's I think it's magnificent. And I'm still watching Scorpio do like moonsaults and stuff like that, which yeah, yeah. makes me happy. I know a lot of people like when when you say. I had a great 30 years with WWE, they go, wait, he was around 30 years ago? And there's a whole (laughs) lot of people that, like, I remember when you're wrestling the Berserker on Superstars. I I remember that stuff. But there are specifically some matches I think that people don't know a lot about. Specifically, you did a couple of dark matches with Taz and Sabu, like, well well before many people had any idea who they were. What, what do you yeah. remember about the process of those two matches? Because it was very clearly WDB getting a look at these couple of people and they had an incredible amount of confidence in you.
2: Yeah. And, it, well, so I think I I think I, I was smart enough at that point to realize, well, I don't want to say smart enough, but I understood that if they're using me in this role for these guys multiple times, and, you know, those are just the two that come to mind, right, that that they they must have something. They must yes. see something in me, right? I'm, if I'm their go-to guy, I'm not. I'm not under contract. They're flying me to uh, Quebec to do live events because I can't remember if it was Marty Gennetti or somebody was injured. So last minute, I get called to go do three shows up in in uh, New Brunswick and Quebec, and wor- you know, working with um, Carl Willette up there. This was back in you know i don't know early 90s you know so i was like the go to guy in the northeast you know i did you know i had one of the last matches in the boston the old boston garden with Owen Hart and Russell Hikushi there on a live event and so i was like i knew there was something you know so and like you said it was like so those like that berserker match my first match was august 19th of 91 yeah. And that berserk—that was with the Beverly brothers. And then that, that, you know, the berserker was, I think my second match there. So if you, okay, 91, we're in 2000 uh, to 21, that's 30 years, you know? So it's been awesome. Like it's, uh, I feel like I've gone through a divorce, but a divorce that <laughs> yeah. ends well, you know, it's like you don't want to go out and like badmouth somebody, but um it's just time to move on. Sure. Right.
0: I think it was JJ Dillon. I spoke to, and we did a couple of shows uh, a few years ago and I had mentioned that a lot of people would often say they they'd book people against Sean Waltman, and if they couldn't have a good match with Sean Waltman hit the bricks and j. J. Dillon said, "Well, we would do that with Scott Taylor a lot too, really? if they couldn't have a good match with Scott Taylor, they probably don't have any business being in the ring to begin with Yeah, that's much really less cool. for us so I mean like you had you were on t v tons of times when was it you first signed your first WWE deal I had always heard it was after you did a couple of ECW spots and they were like no no come on in now
2: well so here's the story on that uh WWE was recording raw in Lowell Massachusetts on a Thursday night because it was going into the Christmas break so their yeah. pre-shoot they were taping it on a Thursday Friday and Saturday I was scheduled to work for ECW in Massachusetts so I left on Thursday, stopped into Lowell and asked to speak to Bruce Pritchard. I just want to give him a heads up. Hey, I'm going to do this tryout deal with ECW. Maybe thinking maybe, okay, this will push them to maybe yeah. sign me finally. So I said, hey, I saw Bruce Pritchard, who was the head of talent relations at the time. And I said, yeah, can I talk to you? He said, I can't right now, but I want to talk to you. Can we talk next week? And uh, so I went, I did two days uh, of ECW. Working Taz and the after the first match, Dreamer and Taz brought me into this room. I said, Hey, we want to do something with you. Um, uh, there were a couple different ideas they threw out there, and uh, I said, Can I let you know next Wednesday? Bruce Pritchard wants to talk to me. And you know, I mean, what's Bruce want to talk to me about? Like, you know, so so I, I talked to Bruce the following Wednesday and he said, Hey, we're starting this light heavyweight division and we'd like to to, to sign you. And so that was it, man. And I'd also at the time tony rumble was booking guys for for nitro and like so all within like that two week time frame uh rumble had asked me to go to nitro then i get the the wwe thing the ec it was it was crazy it was a crazy time dude like yeah you know like that time in wrestling was was cool i feel like we're on the bubble of that again you know a, a different version of it different version but
0: So I know that you had worked Taz in those two ECW matches. Like, did he remember you from working him like four years before?
2: Yeah, no, we had known each other because we were working for like ICW Savoldi around the Northeast. So we had, I I worked, uh, I, been going through old videotapes, and I have matches with Taz, like in high schools. You know, old Taz, Tasmaniac, yeah. with a face paint, and, and working. Um, there was a little company that was running out of Wallingford, Connecticut. They would do. We probably wrestled ten times before those WWF matches. I love. So that. we, yeah, we knew each other well, yeah.
0: I love that. That is that is so cool. And you ended up working Sabu, which a lot of people don't realize. Sabu had like a. a WWF tryout way back then either, but you wrestled him a couple times if I remember.
2: Yeah, I believe it was two days in a row. I know one was Poughkeepsie. It might have been like Poughkeepsie, White Plains. No, uh, it was Poughkeepsie and Burlington, Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. And we went out there and it was like who I, i've watched them since and it's like oh my god we did so much we did so much and he, he did a frankensteiner off the top i remember and scott and the steiner 93. brothers were there at the time <laughs> the steiner you have scott steiner doing a regular frankensteiner and you know i don't know the steiner brothers i know just know their reputation at the time where they would just kill guys you know and and uh i was like oh my god somebody wants to do a frankenstein off the top while scott steiner's in the back oh he's gonna kill me you mm-hmm. know
0: how did that, did scott say anything to anybody no he never said it. he never said anything maybe but, he wasn't watching that's the only explanation yeah, probably, I probably, have. right yeah
2: you know what they've always been awesome with me actually like brian and i worked the steiners on a, a Hermes sadler show in the carolinas uh the carolinas after right after i left wwe in '07, seven and i was terrified like uh, my back was jacked up at the time could barely walk and i get them we'll working the steiners I'm like oh and i didn't really know them and uh Scott Steiner came up to me and he's like, yeah, I I heard your back's messed up. And and I was like, yeah. He goes, all right. He goes, what do I have to do to take the worm? And I was like, oh my God, if Scott Steiner can volunteer to take the worm, pretty much anybody can
0: take the worm, you know? So
2: those guys were great with me. I
0: love it. I love it. Uh, I know we're jumping all over the place here, but uh, like when you're at the performance center and you're coaching and stuff, I hear about like PC live matches and stuff like that are you actively getting in working like practice matches with people? Like, is that a thing that happens? Like, I'm so interested in this process.
2: No, I never had a match. I never took a bump in, in, a, in a ring the whole time I was there as a oh, coach. Wow. They didn't want, they didn't want that. Um, they actually wouldn't clear me to do that because okay. I had my neck fused five, six, seven was fused. So they said, okay, you can coach, but you can't bump uh, because of the neck thing. And then they brought back Rhino and mm-hmm and kurt angle who had the same deal so i don't know you go figure but one of those and lita worked a
0: match and yeah yeah yeah
2: Yeah. so um yeah so i never did um i would get it i would kind of do some of the drills crisscross drills and some of the cardio stuff with them but um you know and punch you know i was i was one of the coaches that worked a lot with punches and strikes with with the guys and girls um, but no, I never, I did it's, it's, it's so crazy. Like five years under contract, not once did they use me in a, in a, I don't know. Like, and, and dude, I'm pretty honest with myself. Like I know I wasn't the top guy, but I feel like there's, there was something, especially sure. when you have Otis, Otis up there doing the worm and you got a guy who, who that was his thing in the back. Who's his coach. Like, I don't know. It feels like a missed opportunity.
0: It's It's an easy reaction because everybody knows who you are. So as I mentioned that, like I was, I, I want to talk a bit about the Royal Rumble later, but I'll go ahead and ask you now, we've got Sean Waltman saying, book me. I want to do the Rumble. Like if they, yeah. if they took a look at what you did this weekend or or over the next month and they said, Hey, come do the Rumble. Would you do that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I have nothing against it. Like, like dude, that's, they, they, I grew up a WWF fan. I'm sure. still a fan. You know, I want the best for, for everybody. Um, but I've been, I was there for five years and available for five Rumbles and nobody said yeah. anything, you know. They just tend to use the same people over and over and over, but I, I don't know. Like, its it was a weird thing, you know.
0: So I am working on a Royal Rumble feature and you had some some pretty memorable moments that I want to get your your memories on the one that so many of us remember is the MSG moment. And that's just got to right. be like the coolest thing you're in there with right. your tag team partners, your friends, you're dancing. Then of course, Rikishi eliminates you. But right. Do you remember the process of being told how that was going to come together and, and all that? Because occasionally we see those entertaining moments, Ernest Miller in 04, but this, this is the one that stands out.
2: Yeah, it was, I mean, I think that was definitely a career highlight. You know, if you look back, like I'm not, it's the Royal rumble, you know, it's Madison square garden. It's sold out. It's in the peak of the attitude era. Like, and we just stopped the rumble and do the dance and blow the roof off the place. Like it's it's one of those things you go, okay, nobody can ever take this away from us. Like we had this magical moment out there that was awesome. And I can remember, I didn't know about it till the day of the rumble and I walked in and I saw the, the lineup on the wall and I can remember Pat Patterson explaining it to us. Right. He was, he was there like right at that moment. He kind of gives a rough, rough idea about what was going to happen. But um, you know, it's, it's one of those things when it happens, even, you know, when he's telling you, you don't realize, you know, 20 something years later, it's, it's going to be still such a cool thing. Right.
0: I I love it. And then there was another moment. And uh, one of the first wrestling seminars I ever went to, one of the pieces of advice was you don't have to bump to put somebody over no. And then there was the Undertaker-Maven situation, and your yep. facial reactions put over everybody in the ring to me. I watched that right. again recently, and I was like, that that just made Undertaker look even, even more menacing. It, right. it made you look smarter because you're like, what what should I be doing here? And it yep. made yep. what happened to Maven accelerate even more because right. this veteran that we have seen in the ring with all kinds of people is like, that's pretty messed up. Yep. What was that like for you? Uh please explain anything that went into preparing for that or anything behind the scenes of like instructions or or anything So there were like two. That.
2: So I don't know, I, there's there were two Royal Rumble with, moments with Taker because I yes. was I came out with Maven, yes. but then there was the when Kane my music ring. hit, Kane and Undertaker were the only two guys standing yes. in the ring staring down the aisle at me. Um
0: So, oh, so I, yeah, maybe <laughs> that was the one where where Kane was in there and and you were yeah. like
2: eh. Should I be yeah, doing I this? Yeah, because I usually come out dancing and jumping around. I may around have mixed those up, yeah. 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 The thing about, I always had a regret with the, I mean, it played out perfectly, but I felt like it could have been even better with Kane and Undertaker. If when I finally got in there, I pulled out two pairs of yellow glasses, like I wanted yeah. them to dance, you know, and they just goozled me and chokeslammed me, but... Who knows? It turned out awesome anyways, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to think back. Like I really probably was in the Royal, the Royal rumble, all the rumbles I was in a combined of like a minute, but they were pretty cool moments. Right.
0: And then there was the one where you got attacked by Muhammad Hassan <laughs> before yeah, you could right. even get yeah. into the Royal rumble. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think I, think I may have mixed think, Go ahead. Sorry.
2: I think wasn't that the same one with, with, when uh, Maven eliminated taker or not. No, no, no. I guess it wasn't. Hassan it was, a different
0: was, o- one. Hassan was o- 05. Uh, Maven and Taker, I believe, was o th- one, one yeah, or 02 That
2: sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, crazy. So I'm still in one of those Rumbles, right? Because yeah. I never actually got in there.
0: So I did a feature, I want to say like five years ago, where I took all the people who had like not made it to the Rumble, or eliminated themselves, or had been eliminated by somebody who was already eliminated, and like your name came up several times, and I was like, man, that poor guy yeah yeah. (laughs) within storyline that guy got screwed like
2: (laughs) yeah yeah but you know what if i had just gone out there and stayed in there for 15 minutes with none of that nobody would remember any of that i see you know that's the crazy part right
0: i would have loved if they did a thing where it's like well scotty didn't make it to the ring in 05 give him like a title match on smackdown that would have been like an easy thing to do right right there right Uh, another feature i'm working on that i'd love to I, i i never know if there's any stories it's always hit or miss I always hear about Vince McMahon trying to physically wrestle people. Did you ever witness it?
2: No, I've heard that too and I never I've never seen it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I've had Yeah. I've had Kurt Angle say he shot a double leg on him. Kofi yeah. Kingston was encouraged by Chris Jericho to be like, "We got to fight because yeah. he said that's the only way Vince would respect him." And then Bobby Lashley said that Vince will sometimes pummel underhooks in on him and try that's to like funny. get in on him, which I think is funny. That's
1: funny. Huh. Yeah, I've
2: heard
0: the stories too. Did you have much interaction with him this past run? Because I know a lot of your work was at the performance center.
2: None. I I, mean, maybe. So he came to the um, he came to the uh, performance center one time. The whole time I was there
0: was that the most recent Uh, time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe six months ago. And uh, I was always the guy in the talent meetings. I would, or any meeting in life, really. I would sit in the back row and not want to be seen. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was like, he came there, he, you know, he gave a speech and I was like, you know what, I'm going to sit in the front row and I'm going to be the first one to ask a question. Cause I feel like I have a legitimate question. Yeah. Right. So uh, he, you know, cause they're always going out and doing these tryouts for all these athletes, you know, NFL and major league baseball and, you know, everything, but you know, bowlers and golfers pretty much they're hiring. Right. So I said to, and I'd had this idea for a while, where um, like Broadway shut down all of these live shows around the world shut down. Right. And all these people, performers were out of work. So I said to Vince, you know, I was one first, I asked the second question. I said, we're always doing these tryouts for these athletes. Is there, is there any thought to doing a, a, a tryout specifically designed for these live theater performers? Yeah. Cause I can remember going to see, it was Lion King on Broadway. And there were these dudes swinging around up on the stage. They're shredded. They look like athletes. They were probably athletes at some point in their life, got hurt, and then fell into theater. Or maybe they just looked like an
0: athlete. Mason Mason, Ryan went from wrestling to Cirque du Soleil. That's
2: it, right? So that's what we do. We're live event performers um, who react off crowds. And, And so you would take these people who look like athletes, but they understand the importance of the theatrical part. Cause sometimes that's a hard thing to teach uh, uh, say like a football player who's been, sure. fr- been taught, Hey, just win, 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 get that ball in that end zone. You don't worry about the crowd. Whereas somebody who's done, you know, a show every single day, two shows on the weekends, they might, might understand. So, so I said, is there any thought to do in a, an open tryout for these people? And his answer was uh, we are not actors. Wow. We react. We react. And I was like, okay, I guess that's dead in the water, you know, <laughs> even though we have acting class and promo class and bringing in acting coaches, we're not actors. Yeah. So it's interesting. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good point, but, but I don't think he knew who I was. I honestly don't know who they, I, you know, I'm sure he got my reports that, you know, the live event sure. reports go out to everybody. I'm sure he got those that I would write with the name Scott Garland on there, but I don't know if he knew that I was the guy that played this scotty too how do you care i mean
0: he i posted that tweet like you look younger now than you did in 99 so Thanks, he might man. not believe it but you do look yeah, I don't significantly know. different it was
2: never i never got any um feeling that he knew who i was you know I, I remember I, I saw him in um in toronto we had a uh we had a um a takeover in toronto and we went to, the, I think it was Survivor Series. A bunch of us went to that, and I saw him in the back. He just happened to be coming out of his office as I was walking by. I shook his hand, but I don't know if he knew who I was. And then the only other interaction was that time at the Performance Center. Yeah. So I, I honestly did it. For most of that time, it was it was good just to fly under the radar and just do, just be left alone and do my job, you know, but.
0: Well, the way Gallows tells it, like he doesn't believe that that Vince knew he was Festus either. Like he doesn't think (laughs) that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That meeting was shortly before NXT 2.0 became a thing. Like, was that the purpose of it? Or do you remember like a specific purpose? I just remember getting all kinds of messages from people being like, Vince and Bruce are coming to the Performance Center and that doesn't happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was like eggshells around there before it happened. Nobody really knew why they were coming. And then you know, Hunter told us it was a good thing. And, you know, he just wants to talk to us and kind of give us his direction on where he wants to go with this thing. And then all of a sudden it changed. I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it was hard to, it was hard to go through. It was hard. We had such a cool thing with such a cool NXT was such a cool vibe to it. And everybody worked so hard and, and made it you know i keep saying that we are nxt was not just a, a a marketing hashtag or slogan like that was a real thing like you know the garganos chompas Coles, you know all those guys me like we believed that like we were proud to be part of nxt you know we would roll into wrestlemania weekend or SummerSlam slam weekend and, and steal the weekend yeah you know those guys guys and girls would go out there and deliver and 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 deliver a product that that WrestleMania just couldn't keep up with, or SummerSlam couldn't keep up with, you know? And I think that the formula was beautiful. It was five matches, about a two-hour, two-hour, 20-minute show. So
0: digestible, so easy Uh, to watch.
2: So good. And, you know, then you watch WrestleMania the next day, and it's eight hours long. There's nothing in the world that I want to do for eight hours.
0: Much less if I'm there live. Like, you've got to eat two or three meals at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad they split it up into multiple nights. Yeah, me too. Uh, we what did you think of NXT 2.0 obviously you, you worked around there for a bit there and some people love it and some people just uh, loathe it
2: i think the idea the idea behind it is is good it's going to give a lot of younger people an opportunity to um show get get, get seen and be shown you know i feel like for, for a guy like a Kona reeves or a wesley blake or some of those guys who never really got Um, the chance on the old one the opportunity like this would be such a great time for those guys you know but
0: I would do a little trick where anytime I'd hear a guest coach came in I'd hit him up afterwards and I'd be like who'd you like Kona's name came up a lot
2: all the time I I will never understand that one man I was gutted on that like I mean, here you got you get a six foot something jack Hawaiian kid who can work and you can't find something to do with him like yeah he's a good dude man and he works so hard like yeah he was there what six seven years but he was a kid when he came in there and he's a man when he leaves i just watched him grow up and it was it was hard to it was hard to see and and you know then that that i think back to what played in my decision to ask for my release it was seeing that start to happen you know and these guys like how do you let them go but you're gonna hire this person who doesn't even know you know ask them who savio vega is y- yokozuna is they don't even know who that person is you know but you're gonna give them an opportunity over a guy like kona reeves so It just it was frustrating you know
0: when when i saw them let go of guys like kona reeves or ej and i'm like i don't really know yeah. what they want anymore and even on the yeah. main roster when they let go of a braun Strowman, i go what what are they after what exactly yeah. is it that yeah. they desire now
2: yeah, EJ's another guy who was, like, inspiring for me to go out there. And do. I saw him leave, and he was in my class a, a lot. And I saw him grow, and, and, like, to see him go out there. And he's going to Mexico and, you know, working for LMLW and doing great up there. It just looks like he's having fun, you know? And he's, he's, he's self-promoting himself, which is so – it's just awesome, you know? Something. If you're not self-promoting yourself as an independent wrestler these days, you're, 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 you're missing something. You know, with social media, it gives you... That was why I opened the YouTube channel. Like, I have all this stuff that I want to be able to put out there. Found all of these old, you know, VHS tapes with these matches with Taz and Perry Saturn on independent shows before anybody knew who any of us were that I want to be able to put up there, as well as new stuff going forward as I go out and get back out on the road again. And, you know, it might not even be wrestling stuff. I'm like, hey, here's three minutes of my time in in the UK this weekend. Like, if you want to watch it, check it out. Like... Uh
0: I saw one you posted with Justin credible, uh, last week, Yeah, last yeah. week who former Aldo Montoya, uh, PJ Walker, like, yep. and it's a good, like solid 15 minutes of work yeah. there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, you know, the YouTube channel just gives me a chance, a place to put that stuff, you know, with something that's 15, 20 minutes long and I don't have to do it. I, I, I upload it and you know if i want to say something i can you know if i want to voice over it i can i don't want to do a lot of editing to it. Sure. some of this stuff i just want to throw it up there so at least it's it's safe you know i get it off these vhs tapes and, and put it out there so do you, do you have watch.
0: to convert that like how does that work i
2: do yeah I convert it over and then uh, I, what happened sean was i i uh i had all of these home movies with my kids you know and all yeah. the little mini tapes So I bought this converter and I had like 50 of these tapes because I want to have saved. And I made a private YouTube channel for my family and started uploading all these. And then I, you know, come across all these VHS tapes with all this stuff that I've interviews and matches and, you know, from all the way back to my first match in 89 and that was my first upload, you know, and as soon as I uploaded it, that very first match I only have it on the original VHS tape I uploaded it and when it it automatically ejected from the VCR and the tape was all mangled oh no so at least I got it yeah I got it on the on digital so
0: oh my gosh we definitely encourage people to to check that out because I I loved it when I saw the the Just Incredible one I was like oh this is awesome because there's so many of those people as you mentioned that you worked before WWE or WWF
2: I have an independent match from somewhere in Massachusetts with, um, Hakushi oh. that I didn't even remember doing, but I'm going through this stuff and I'm like, what the, what, like, and, I, and I, I need to put that up there too. You know,
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, we'll kind of go back to NXT cause I'm very fascinated as to what your mentality was when, for example, it's maybe June or something. And Adam Cole himself thinks his contract is up in five months. They walk up to him they say hey bud your contracts up in 3 days. Pete Dunne, too, Pete Dunn resigned. Uh but I know at one point there was an expectation that O'Reilly, Gargano, Cole's deals would be up within a couple weeks of each other in December, but all of a sudden your top star on NXT is just not not going to be there anymore. What was yeah. what was that like even finding that out?
2: Dude, I didn't so I didn't know. Like I didn't know um until i i didn't know till after cole was gone like i did not i saw him you know i saw him before the match his last match and you know somebody said oh you know he's he's pretty upset before he went out there and then he came back and i saw he looked like he was upset and you know, like regal was talking to him over in the corner and i was like i don't you know i don't know what's going on like we were kept in the dark on a lot yeah you know everything was very hush hush there and, and like i didn't know until after he was gone you know and uh for sure, and like even though, even when you know, even with Gargano, is he gone? Is he is he not gone? Like I don't know. You know, I see he opens his, his pro wrestling Tees store, so I go, okay, I assume he's gone. But <laughs> it's but even when I was there, it was it was like that. You know,
0: I'm also interested. Uh, over the years, I'm sure that, that you had plenty of interactions with him. But Kevin Dunn is a guy that we hear a lot about, but we don't see a lot of. I know that he came by a couple times around NXT 2.0 to help production kind of learn some things. But any interactions you specifically remember with him, because he's a fascinating guy to a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I never, I never saw him. I I heard he was there one day at NXT, but I never saw him there. Um, He was always okay with me. Like you know, we had very little interaction, but he was always, always okay with me. Nothing, uh, nothing, nothing bad. You know, but I, I never saw him there. But it's, it's, it's kind of so the production at NXT right now, the production room is actually set up in another building and with COVID they were, they weren't having us uh, intermingle. So
0: interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys I've heard people compare him to the wizard of Oz. Like you hear him like over the speakers sometimes, but you don't always see him. And all that. Yeah. And he's
2: like, you go back and you watch like that early, like primetime stuff, you okay. see his name in the credits. So he's been there for forever, right?
0: Another thing that I've always loved about Scotty Tuhati and Grandmaster Sexy, When I would play those video games when I was younger, they would have like the default stance. You all yeah. would dance by default. Like, really? <laughs> you all would That's just funny. be like this the whole That's time. Funny. Like when you stand. Yeah. What kind of work did you need to do for the video games? Did you do like scans? Did you do voiceovers? Was it or anything? Or did they just create that on their own?
2: I didn't do anything for the video games. Like we did the uh, action figures, you know, they would yeah. scan our heads for the action figures. But I don't remember ever doing anything for the uh, the video games. It's funny because they would, for the for the um, action figures they would want to scan my head, but they would want the worm face, you know, the face that I make right before I, after I hit the bulldog. And I could never do it just like cold. It has to be in the moment, you know? So I tried try, but it was
0: funny. So I would assume if you didn't know about the stance, you're not like a big gamer.
2: I'm not, but my son is, you know, and we got, they sent us, um, what was the last one we were on? Uh, 2K13, I think was the last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm so, I'm surprised that like didn't do any face scans or anything for that. That's, that's fascinating to me. Cause yeah,
2: maybe they, I don't know. It's possible that they do them in that action figure truck. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that, that could happen. So as we, we talk about this match with Janela, which by the time people have seen this has happened, this is your first match in like what? Five years
2: yeah it'll be august of 2016 was my last match it was brian and i in a tag match in west virginia on an independent show but yeah it'll be my first so almost five and a half years
0: i was i was about to ask that so i mean this is your first match without brian obviously that's that's a great loss that that that's terrible but i mean how how were you feeling i don't want to say like when when that kind of came about but you're going to be navigating these waters and and brian's not going to be there anymore
2: Right. I did it, but I did do a lot. I did a lot uh, without him on my last independent run. You know, I was, I was back on the independence for 10 years before coaching with WWE um, and I did a lot. So um, it'll be fine. You know, Um, I'll do, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Like more than, more than I ever have. Like, I'm just like, just super excited. And I, I don't know there's just like this new energy to it all. Like, just get excited to get back out there. And maybe, you know, part of it's like, hey, I only have, uh, I'm pretty realistic with myself. Like, I only have so many years left. I'm 48 this year, you know, but I feel like I'm in pretty much the best shape of my life. You know, if not, just as good a shape as I ever was. And I've been training hard for it. And uh, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be doing it, you know? And I'm okay playing a 48-year-old wrestler. Like yeah. what? Like with WWE now, it's like oh, you gotta be. It's all this young, young thing, young thing, young thing. And it's like now there's like there's some cool old dudes out there. Like yeah. Clint Eastwood's pretty cool dude. Like George Clooney's a pretty cool <laughs> dude. You know, like like some of these guys. Like why don't we use that in wrestling? I'm okay with being. Hey, you know what? He's 48. What's gonna happen? Can he go with a 23 year old? I think there's a there's a entertaining element to that. And Rocky, Rocky I can't was based
0: choose. on that. The last couple of goes around. Uh,
2: that's it right like it can play story wise it can play in and i'm okay accepting that like we're so we're so afraid to tell our age in this because we've been so like conditioned to like when's the last time you heard rick flair say how old he was or hogan yeah. say how old he was and and you know i'm okay with the character even um of course you know wwe owns a character so i'm okay with it evolving like what would scotty Tuhadi look like 20 years later like i don't know if i and i've toyed with that idea over the last month or so like how am i going to present this you know do i go back to how i looked in 20 in 2000 like that crossed my mind for like a minute and i and I, I honest to be honest with you i tested the lookout. i could still do the hair i could do the mustache but it feels like
0: Buck- a bit bucket hats feel. are back in
2: well the bucket hats are back in um but but like it just felt a bit cringy to go back and be a 48 year old guy dressing like i did when i was 27 so i i think the smarter route is like dude chris jericho is the master of it he's evolved over the years to many different characters and i think i think the audience especially the independents, the independent audience will appreciate an evolving character more than they will oh, this guy's just coming in and riding off what he did 20 years ago to take the check and leave. I don't want to be that guy. Don't the, want to be that guy. There is an
0: entertaining thought to Scotty Too hottie at 48 being like, hello, fellow kids. And yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. You know, of course, some people want to see the worms. So you have to give yeah. them what they pay to see. And, and there's a fine line. Like, there's, there will be certain times, okay, they you know, they want to see this character. I don't know if – like uh, a, a company like a GCW, that's what they want. I think they'll sure. appreciate the evolving character more than they will. Just, okay, here's the nostalgic thing, you know?
0: And Scotty Tuhati is so ingrained as WWE. That's what got Matt Cardona over as a heel so much there. Is because right. he was so right. much the WWE guy that people are like, right. no, piss off. That's not what we want. And right. it, it got him over. <laughs> Do you think there's any possibility of a revolt? Because, I mean, right now – you've got so many people that love you and respect you. And they're like, hell yeah. Right. But right. do you think there's like, do you see like maybe a heel, a menacing Scotty to in the future?
2: I've, well, I thought about that, you know, and I, and uh, so in 2008, I went, I just left WWE in 2007 and they booked me for ring of honor in LA. Oh. And I knew I was going to be the anti, I was going to be the, the Matt Cardona at that point. Right. Whereas now I feel like I'm far enough removed that it's a nostalgia, a mm-hmm. bit of a nostalgia thing. And so these TCW fans, I think, are, and I'm hoping, are older, and they go, oh, this is a piece of my child- childhood that I'm going to get to see in person that I never thought I would get to see as, a, as an adult. you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's not like I'm fresh out of WWE. And I think, honestly, dude, like this was a part of me walking away on my own is going to play into all of this. Because yeah. I'm, I walked away... Uh, because I didn't like what was going on. And I think they'll appreciate that because a lot of them don't like what's going on right now, what they're seeing. Uh, And I walked away with no real plan B
1: other than hopes that this
2: what I'm going to do is going to take off. You know, I'm not a guy who made uh, millions and millions and, and I can just uh, live off of that. I still have to go out and work. And, and um, I I keep saying like, you know, you you know, plan a was pretty bad when there was no solid plan B, (laughs) you know, like, um, but I think I can make it work and the, in the feedback and everything has been like 99% positive. And I think, you know, with a good showing at GCW, like things are only going to pick up and, you know, I have a solid, uh, uh couple of weeks booked in March in the UK and, uh, there's, there's so many different possibilities now and, you know, just get out there, stay, stay busy and have fun, Sean. That's like, that's my. Like I wasn't having fun. I'm going to go have fun. And like, my kids are, are uh, 17 and 20 now. So they get to be a part of it. They're excited. They played into a huge part of the decision to do this whole thing. Like and they get to take them and, and, you know, see their dad wrestle. It's pretty cool. You know, I, get I know ha- my son's listening to me right now. So, <laughs>
0: uh-huh. well, I, I could talk to you all day about wrestling, but I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Cause I do want to do this again. Cause this has been eye opening and fantastic couple more things that I want to ask, man, when, when I uh, had, had posted the story, when Fightful posted the story that, that you had, you had made that statement that you were leaving WWE, I saw a lot of people reference the Malenko match. And all mm-hmm. I got to say is the Malenko match, because yeah. that opened a lot of people's eyes to Scotty Tuhati, who had just seen the dancing and all that. And they were like, oh my God, this guy can go. And it's with Malenko. Yeah. Did you know, like, in that moment that, like, something special was happening? Because you all, there were, I I remember specifically, there was, like, this white hot streak because there was a 10-man tag in, I think it was a February Raw that nobody talks about anymore. And it was unbelievable. And then you have this match at Backlash. Like, did you know as that match was going on, like, this is something special?
2: I didn't because I, I remember being that it was in Washington DC and, and, you know, getting together with Dean that day and like kind of talking stuff out and like we really didn't have a whole lot. We'd wrestled so many times. Yes. To that point, it felt like we kind of missed the boat on the whole match. We, I mean, we were like on whatever the velocity or sh- whatever the yeah. that Saturday night shotgun, Saturday night slot was at that time, whatever it was called metal or velocity or jacked there has been so many times it's rebranded over the years, but um, we we must have wrestled like every week. We would get to TV when we wrestling. again. So by the time we got the backlash, um it really didn't even feel special. But like you said, twenty years later, that's the match that everybody talks about, and uh, the finish that everybody talks about was that DDT up the top. Like, oh, yeah, I dodged a bullet, man. I dodged a bullet that day. Like, I was lucky.
0: So ahead of that, like D, and you all are like, okay, top rope DDT. That's how, that's how we're gonna go. Had you taken one like that before?
2: No, never again. Yeah. Actually, when I came back through the curtain, Linda McMahon was standing there, and she pulled me aside. She said, "Don't ever do that again."
0: Linda, Linda McMahon said people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was that was sick. Like, I, Seriously, I feel like I dodged a bullet because if you look at that, like, you go, there's no way I didn't break my neck. And and I mean, I did have neck surgery the next year, so that may have played into it. I don't know.
0: So maybe you did because we, we often hear about people who don't know that they've broken their neck or started the process of breaking yeah. their neck until it's too late. I remember one right. of the pit bulls said that he came back through the curtain and he was like, I need to pop my neck. And then yeah. they're like, uh, you broke your neck, buddy.
2: Yeah, crazy, uh-huh. right?
0: my god yeah but
2: it was a cool match so dean and i were like um i think it was it was just a perfect combination and it's, it's i think it sums up pro wrestling right if you had dean malenko versus dean malenko it's like, eh, okay if you have yes. scotty duadi versus scotty duadi eh, well, but when you take black against white and two different things that's where the interest comes to me and that's part of the art of like you know, and I think as we grew up, you see all of these larger-than-life characters who, you, I want to see this guy wrestle that guy. And, like, that's what makes it fun. But when everything becomes one way... Um, it's, styles it make fights. That's it. Like, And I think back, you know, to the territory days, you have all these territories coming to the WWF, right? So you have all these different styles and characters meshing, which made it fun. Now everybody's been... the the negative of the performance center is everybody's being trained under one roof by eight to 10 of the same people. So it's basically all the same style. And I think you lose something in that,
0: man. I cannot wait to talk to you again. As we wrap up one Royal rumble that I didn't ask you about. And I forgot about, and a lot of people do, you were in a tag team Royal rumble in 1998. Do you remember this? It's Kane and mankind won it.
2: Really? What was that on?
0: It was on Raw. And I went back and I, I watched every Royal Rumble and I completely forgot about this. It was like the Headbangers and Midnight Express and you and Brian. And they did. it was like a top contender for the tag title. Like, Do you remember anything about that?
2: I don't even remember the match, Sean.
0: Huh? Oh my it's gosh. It's crazy. I'm going to have to send that to you. And next time we'll we'll talk about it because I do one of these features on the Rumble every year. But yeah. I I looked at that and I was like, man, like... It, anything to pop a number i guess but <laughs> yeah
2: that's crazy there's a lot of cool stuff that i did with cool like like you go how do i not remember that yeah. like i see something with the rock and i go how do i not remember doing this with the most famous person you're, on the planet We're doing it you know every know day I mean? of your life <laughs> well that's what it was because at the time it was okay monday night raw shoot the show uh, shoot smackdown on tuesday you know, fly home on Wednesday. The last thing I want to do is go back and watch wrestling on my two days off, and then we'd go back out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday again. So at that time, it's just hundred miles an hour, and you don't really have time to stop and appreciate that stuff. Yeah. I think, you know.
0: Well, guys, we encourage you to check out Scott's YouTube channel. I love it. Uh, I, I saw it, and I immediately hit him up, and I was like, I got, I got to talk to him about all this. Uh, we have him. We have his uh, Twitter handle as it's still at the Scotty 2 Hottie. Correct
2: is supposed to be changing that, and they haven't. They did change my Instagram for me to the, the Scott Garland. Okay. But it's supposed to be changing the Facebook and uh, so I don't. I think it's probably just on Twitter's end that they haven't got around to it. But. Uh,
0: we'll throw up Scott Garland just in case. Like we'll, we'll take care go. of you. We got, you go. We're gonna have links to his YouTube below. But tell the people where else they can find you, where else they can support you, and check out what you're doing.
2: It's all you know. Facebook. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, the the YouTube channel, like you said. Um, and dude, like, I, I genuinely mean this, like, I'm at a point in my life where it's so cool to to meet people and have people come out. And, and now you're getting like, you're getting fathers bringing their kids out. And like, I, and with YouTube, like people can go back and watch all of this old stuff. So like, I, I genuinely enjoy meeting people. So I, I'm excited to get back out there and do the meet and greets and do the shows and, 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 and get to meet people again. So um, please come out and whether it's a, you know, a show or a signing or whatever, just come out and say hello. It's I do appreciate it.
0: Well, I hope we get to do this again. Cause I've got a million other things I could ask you. Anytime, uh, man. I anytime. Mean, 30 years in, and this is the first time I got to interview you. So uh, yeah, we've crazy. got plenty of, plenty of source material. Guys, check it out. Support Scott Garland until next time, guys. We're out